right. Well, Father, we just come before you and we just invite you into this time. God, I pray that not a practical thing. God, I ask that you give me your words and I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak so clearly and that every person would experience your presence right now. God, we ask that you'd manifest in a greater way right now, that you would pour out that love that you have for each person. God, you love them. You love me, you love them. And I pray they'd experience your love here in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, today, uh, I'm going to be talking to you guys about this idea of like hearing and following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, you know in, in preparing and processing for tonight, I was just kind of, I spent a good deal of time looking at some of the questions that were asked, looking at scripture, trying to listen to what God had to say, but also my own experience, because I didn't want to just go and, you know, sometimes when you hear walking by the Spirit, you know, what does that even mean? What does that, what does that look like in a day in and day out kind of thing? And, you know, for the longest time, I used to view it through this lens of to, to be led by the Spirit, I thought, meant that God told you what to do. God told you everything. And it was almost like this heightened state of spirituality where you and God were so in tune that you would drive down the road and he would say, go left. And then he would say, go right. And then he would say, go and talk to that person. And then he would say, go and do this. And this is the plan. And I, I, I kind of I viewed it through this lens like it meant that you pretty much had God giving you a download all the time and you were never surprised you were never weak, you always were in the zone, and that, and that you just, you kind of in a state of like, you're like Elijah, you know, just walking around, just nailing it. Now, I do believe that God speaks to us. I do believe that God guides us. I, I'm sure you've probably heard stories, and maybe your own experience, where you were in a circumstance where God spoke clearly to you, where God literally guided you in the way that you should go. And, and I'm very thankful for those, those times and those moments. But, you know, in looking at the scripture and looking at my own life, I think that the older I get and the more I, I experience, you know, I grow in Christ and then I watch other people grow in Christ, what I think I've begun to realize is that true maturity is true dependence. True dependence on Jesus. True dependence on the Holy Spirit. And so, a lot of times, I want to know the plan. I want to know, God, do I go here or do I go there? God, tell me what to do. God, I just, tell me the plan. And God, and see, that's the way I viewed it. If you are really spiritual, you will know the plan. And then, I'm beginning to realize more and more, like, I feel more like a kid than I ever felt walking in the dark, trusting Jesus, and at times feeling nothing. And, and I believe that in that place of weakness, that's exactly where God wants me to be. And so I want you to see tonight as we walk through this idea of really listening, but also following, is that following oftentimes doesn't mean you know where you're going. And a lot of times it doesn't mean 
that you even know why you're there. But like a child, you hold your father's hand as you go through the parking lot of life. And as long as you hold on to that hand and he holds on to you, you're going to be okay. But it's not about, Lord, should I go left? Should I go right? Oh, Lord, should I stop? There's a car coming. What should I do? You just hold on. And the good news is, is so does he. And so, so we're looking tonight at this idea of walking in the spirit, but it really comes down to a humility, a dependence. And I just feel like the Lord just wants, in a way, like take off some of the pressure off of us here tonight. Sometimes you think, what am I doing wrong? And God's like, you're not doing anything wrong. I just want you to learn how to trust me when you don't trust yourself. I want you to learn how to, to follow me when you don't really know what I'm doing. And so we, we're just kind of learning how to navigate this, this place of dependence and humility because we don't want to be weak, but God wants us to be weak. Because it's when we are weak that he is strong, but when we are strong, we don't depend on him. Because then we stick with the plan. And that is when we get angry when the plan does not happen, or at least for me. You know, I remember Winnie the Pooh, the, the rabbit, you know, guy. He goes, the best thing about making a plan is sticking to it. And I was like, yes, that's what I'm talking about. You make a plan, you stick with the plan. So, but God oftentimes doesn't tell me the plan. And sometimes we think that if we know the future, if we know the plan, that, that will, that'll help us. But then if God were to tell you the future, then you'd be like freaking out like, oh Lord, now I'm nervous about the future. Can you talk to me about the future? Can you tell me that it's all going to be okay? And God's like, I'm not going to tell you a lot, but I'll tell you this, I'll be with you. You're like, no, 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 God, I want, I want real answers. You know what I mean? So, so we, we, we um, well, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. First Corinthians chapter 3 in the New Testament, and we'll pick it up uh, in verse 18. This is the Apostle Paul talking to the church at Corinth, and he says to, the, to these Christians, let no one deceive himself if anyone among you seems to be wise in this age. Let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. So that means that our best thoughts, our most brilliant ideas, our best plans, oftentimes might seem really wise, but they're not always God. And so it says in uh, verse 19, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So I say all that to say, God's ways are not our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. And so as, the sooner we learn this, the better this will go for you. Because God will do weird things and have you do weird things that make you look dumb. And all the while, you're marching around Jericho, and you have no idea why. And you're just marching around. Well, why? Because God told me to. Why? Well, why? I don't know. And then people think you're crazy. And you might be. You might be crazy, but at least you're obedient. So I want, we, we, there's a, it's a different paradigm 
This idea of following the Spirit. Now, sometimes people do dumb things, and then they blame the Holy Spirit. Now, that, that comes, maturity comes into play there. But you learn how to discern his voice. You learn to discern what he's like. But one of the questions that we had uh, was somebody was asking about this idea of casting lots. And, you know, the basic understanding of casting lots uh, in world history, and especially, you know, you see a lot in the Old Testament, and even some of the New Testament. You see that we don't really know for sure historically what they used. You know, they might have used sticks or rocks or some form of dice. But the big idea, it was like rolling the dice. So you'd be like, Lord, you know, should I take the job? You roll it, and it's either yes or no. You take the dice. God, should I marry her? Yeah, yes, all right. You know, two out of three. You know, I want them. <laughs> you know, but they literally would, at times, would try to figure out God's will by rolling the dice, so to speak. But in the New Testament, we see that phase out when the Holy Spirit showed up. Because when the Holy Spirit came and dwelt inside of believers, now it's a completely different shift in world history and in the dispensation of God. And so God says, I'm not going to have you roll the dice anymore because I'm going to be inside of you. And I'm going to be guiding you. And Jesus used the word, when, when, when Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit, you know, we've talked a lot about this idea of the of paraclete the Greek word paraclete. And, you know, last week, uh, Pastor Travis, he really hit on the comfort of the Holy Spirit. That's a huge, a lot of translations will call him the comforter. You know, some say the advocate. But one of the, the terms that can be, can be uh, translated in, through that word is the word counselor. And so we have this inner counselor, this inner spirit guide, who is a holy, pure spirit, and this Holy Spirit speaks very gently, very subtly, all the time. And sometimes you know it's him, and sometimes you think it's you, because he's just so subtle. And so, I, I, learning to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit requires time. It requires experience. It requires intimacy, and relationship. You know, I think a lot of us would almost rather have casting lots. Because when you throw the dice to hear God's voice or to discern God's will, you don't need a relationship. I think a lot of us, I wonder how many of us, and actually I, I know you guys are the godly ones, you're here on Wednesday night, but there's other creepy people out there that they're not really all that geeked out or focused in on the relationship. They just want the answer. I've been there. And I wonder how many people, that's literally the only reason they're coming to God, because they want God to tell them what to do to get a successful outcome so they, their life goes well. And God does give information. But here's the thing. If you don't have a relationship, if you don't have experience, how are you going to tell his voice? I remember years ago, I had a, a former youth kid who was at the time a 20-something. 
And he came to me, and he hadn't really been pursuing God in his 20-something years. He had kind of fallen away a little bit. And he came to me because he was wanting to get married. And he was like, how do I know if I'm supposed to marry this girl? How do I know if she's the one? And so I began to talk to him about discerning God's voice. And it was like a deer in the headlights. Why? Because you've been ignoring the voice for years. You've been literally blocking the voice. The voice has been speaking for years, but you are not listening. And now, in your moment of crisis or, you know, serious decision-making, now you are trying to count on your ability to hear God, the voice you've been ignoring. And so, so I want to talk a little bit about that sensitivity to his voice. And I want to look at Psalm 32. This is an Old Testament passage that King David wrote. Uh, very famous, uh, not as famous as uh, Psalm 51. But this uh, passage is based off of David after he sinned with Bathsheba. This is one of those repentant, turn my life around kind of, kind of scripture verses. But in Psalm 32, verse 8, uh, David is, is writing this, or probably singing this, but he's also speaking prophetically. So this part is what God has to say to his people. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Let's kind of camp on that for a moment. Let's just let it soak in, because this is good. This is encouraging stuff. God is saying to his people, this is you, I will instruct you. I will teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you. How? With my eye. How does, how does he guide us with his eye? Well, the basic idea is that he's saying, I will keep my eye on you. And it's not like the scary kind, like I'm watching you. But rather, it's like a lifeguard. You think about, you know, hopefully you've had good experience with, with lifeguards. My kids haven't always been so into their lifeguards. But, they, hey, get out of there. Stop doing that. No, but I'm, ta- but I'm talking about if you go in the deep end, you may feel like, oh, I feel vulnerable. But you're, you're not alone because they're right there keeping an eye on you. And so God is watching over your life. And so a lot of times, it's like, well, what if I make the wrong decision? Well, you have a lifeguard, and he is watching you. He has his eye on you, and he will guide you. He says, I will instruct you, which means I'm going to teach you. I'm not just going to tell you what to do. I'm going to train you. I'm going to teach you my ways so you naturally think my thoughts, so you naturally know my ways in my heart. So we see here, this, this is, this hopefully, you feel encouraged by this because I want you to see this is not about your ability to follow. It is about ability. It's about his ability to lead. Hey, I had to say that it was important one-liner for the people online. I can't just stop there. God's ability to lead you is better than your ability to follow. God, like when it comes to hearing God, you need to understand something. You're his sheep, you hear his voice. 
But how do I know? How do I know? No, no. Let's just break it down. Take the pressure off of you. Because when you think this is all about you, it's going to kill your faith. But when you begin to realize that if you make the wrong turn, your shepherd has a hook on that rod, and he's going to bring you back where you need to go. But there is one way you could blow this up. Now I'm going to scare you. No. Verse 9 says, Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. So God's saying, I will guide you, I'll direct you. But here's the thing. Don't be like a stubborn mule. Don't make this difficult. So you got the bit. You got the the bridle. Is that the only way that God can get your attention? Listen, you hear his voice, but we oftentimes argue with that voice. A lot of times that voice does sound like our conscience. Hey, this is not the place you're supposed to be. Is not the decision you're supposed to be making. And what oftentimes can happen when we're not in step with what God wants us to do, we start to fall out of peace. We start getting anxious. It starts messing with our prayer life. It starts messing with our sleeping life. It starts, we kind of start taking out our frustration and our anxiety on all these other relationships. And so, so it's very important that we listen to that voice. And our job is to not resist because the scriptures say in Hebrews, I believe chapter four, another place, I can't remember where it says in Hebrews again. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Sorry, I gotta fix this. If you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts because When you hear the voice, this gentle voice who can be quenched, the Holy Spirit is a person. He can be quenched. The Holy Spirit is powerful, but he can be grieved. And if you, I'm not saying this to bring condemnation or throw you into a pit, but what can happen when he speaks and you don't respond, it creates a dullness. When he speaks... Again, and you don't respond, it creates a dullness. When he speaks, until it gets to the point where you're numb. And we had several people kind of ask a question along these lines. They said, I, I was born again a while back, and when I was born again, I could hear God. I could be led by God. I had a connection with God. But then, and one person said that they fell away and they turned away from obeying and following Jesus and kind of fell into the things of this world. And the other person, if I understood it correctly, it sounded more like they didn't really fall away from Jesus, but they kind of, kind of got a little bit dull. They maybe went to church, maybe read their Bible here and there, 
But there wasn't this passion, there wasn't this vibrancy, there wasn't this zeal, and there wasn't this connection. And in both cases, it was like, I'm hard, I'm dull, I don't hear. But I watch other people, and they have what I want. How can I get it back? I had it, I lost it, I want it. And so I want to talk a little bit more about getting your sensitivity back. Because if your heart is dull, or your heart is hardened then we want, is there a way to sensitize, activate the Holy Spirit's activity in your life where you can hear his voice? And so I want to go back, not go back, but go to Mark chapter 4. This is Jesus talking. Very famous passage of scripture where Jesus talks a lot about the parable of the four soils. I'm not going to go into all of that for the sake of focus. But In verse 21, in the context of God's word and hearing God's voice, this is what Jesus said. Also, he said to them, is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret but that it should come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. So I want to go back and kind of walk through the verses we just read to make sure you're getting the imagery here. In this, the word of God, what God wants to say is viewed through the lens of a lamp. So picture, if you will, a lamp. Would you take a lamp and put it out of the way under a table, in such a form or fashion where it's not amplifying and not very visible. Jesus is saying it's going to seem at times like the Father is taking his word and hiding it from you. It goes, he goes on to say, there's nothing hidden. What does that mean? It means that God hides things. When God speaks... He hides things. When God speaks, he often speaks in parables. Some of us, God is speaking to you through your dreams. You are literally having parables in the night. Some of you, the Holy Spirit is giving you mental images, and it doesn't make sense to you because these mental images, the Holy Spirit will speak visually to you, And you will have an image pop into your head and it will pop in and it will pop out so fast. And that's God. It it literally is God. Some of you are, if you will lean into that, some of you are more seers. Some people, everybody hears God differently, but some of you see into the spirit realm. And if you will steward that and lean into that, and pay attention to that parable, God will begin to give you more. So you see, God speaks in modern day ways to us in parables. In fact, God speaks through our circumstances. You guys know the story of uh, Job, how Job you know, went into the whale, came out of the whale, preached to a whole city, told them they're all going to die, then God changed his mind. Jonah, did I say what I say? I said Job. Thank you, Kevin. Jonah. I, yeah, yeah, thank you. Jonah, Kevin's like, this is not the right story. 
Jonah, Jonah goes and he stands on the, on the east ridge looking out over the town and says, all right, God, smite him. After God's told him, he's not going to do it. And what happens? Well, God has a plant shoot up and bring shade to Jonah. Then God has a little bug or a, was it a caterpillar or whatever it was, an insect, a worm, come and chomp down on that plant. And Jonah gets mad at God like, I am angry enough to die. But I want you to see out of this story, God prepared a plant. God prepared a worm. God did a parable through what? Natural circumstances. So when things happen in the natural realm, don't just always think it's meaningless. God can communicate through parables in your, your waking life in the way things happen to you. Does that make sense? Okay. So coming back to this, there are things that God hides, but he wants to reveal it to you. But there's a way to get what he wants to say. There's way, he hides it, but he wants you to find it. In verse 24, he says, take heed what you hear. What does that mean? It means that whatever you pay attention to, that's how God's going to talk to you. If you pay attention to dreams, God will start talking in your dream life. If you pay attention and listen to other people, through God's other people, like the, you know, the body of Christ, God will increase your, the, what you receive from the body of Christ. If you increase in paying attention to the parables that are happening all around you, then you will begin to, you'll be given more. So coming back to this, take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. For whoever has, to him more will be given. It's, it, it's, it's a principle of the kingdom. The rich get richer and the poor get poor. There are people in God's house that are broke <laughs> because they have not stewarded what God gave them. And there are people that are very wealthy, spiritually speaking, because they took what God gave them, they used it. And when they used it, God said, I'll give you more. And then you have an abundance. So verse 25, for whoever has to him, more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. So that means that God, if you don't use it, you lose it. Now, I'm not saying this to make anybody feel bad, but this is what happens when you had a connection with God, you had a vibrant relationship with God, you did have connection and you heard his voice. But just because your heart has grown dull and you aren't hearing God doesn't mean that Jesus has given up on you. It just means that it's time to take what you do have and begin to steward that. Well, how do I know what I do have? Well, start by paying attention to your conscience. That's what it was like for me. There were a lot of things that I justified 
And listen, if you're arguing with the voice in your head about whether you should do something, do you really think the devil's going to be arguing with you about sinful issues? Be like, no, no, do it. No, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Like, like I, I cannot tell you how many times I argued with the voice in my head and, and explained to the voice in my head why it was okay. And so as I began to, and it wasn't like all at once, but I just started with simple things like, okay, I feel like I shouldn't be doing this. I probably just need to listen. And I began to just start to listen to my, that little nudge. And sometimes it was to do something, to give something. You ever had that? where God give, puts on your heart to give away something or some money that you don't want to give away? So let's think about that. Is it coming from you? Probably not because you don't want to do it. Is it coming from the devil? I, I kind of doubt the devil's wanting you to give your money away to you know, the people in need or the church or those kinds of things. So you can kind of learn to discern like, okay, I don't want to do this. The devil doesn't want me to do this. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume that this is God in this case. And so you begin to honor that voice, but also... I know, I know, guys, we, we, we beat this over the head. But, you know, I don't believe that simply reading the Bible every day, like I, I have seen Christians read the Bible consistently and them not change. I have seen that. So I don't want to just make a blanket statement that if you read the Bible, you'll automatically become a rock star Christian. Because I've seen a lot of people fall into legalism and be like a Pharisee. So I don't want to say it like that. But at the exact same time, we talk about getting into the scripture. And I know we sound cute. And I know you're like, yes, yes, I know, I know, someday. But I cannot tell you the difference between reading your Bible consistently over a period of time versus not. I mean, the, 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 the di- I, can go, I can go on and on about how this makes a difference in our lives. And I know that maybe you would say, but Daniel, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I don't know where I'm going. I'm too busy or whatever. And I, I understand all the reasons. I did, I did that too. I, I was that guy that literally Sunday after Sunday never did anything with what I was given. But I want you to see something. Sunday after Sunday, I was given something. I was given a word and there was something I could apply that the Lord was saying through the sermon. And a lot of times it had to do with getting into the scripture. And so you may say, Daniel, I probably only understand about 20% of what is in the Bible. Listen, it's the 20% that matters. I kid you not. If you can obey the 20%, it's going to probably save you from train wrecking your life. I mean, there's a lot of things that are really fun to read in the Bible. But it's the simple things we do understand that we do know that oftentimes are what are our undoing. And so if you can begin to pay attention, you may read a whole passage, but just ask yourself in that, in that chapter, what's the one thing I understand? Then I'm going to roll with that. And if you will consistently use the little that God gives you, then it will increase your capacity, it will increase your sensitivity, and then God will begin to give you more. But just remember, God's ways are foolishness to the natural mind. So just know 
that it may not make sense. And you might think that's stupid. And God's like, yeah, I'm testing you to see if you'll do the stupid thing. Will you? And I'm not saying like go jump off a bridge, but I mean like, you know, I, I heard one person tell a story about how God told them, they're like, God, I want to hear your voice. And God's like, okay, I want you to go down the highway and pick up trash. No, no, God, that wasn't you. And he, he goes home. He goes home and, and he's like asking God to talk to him. And God's like, I'm not going to talk to you until you do what I said. And it was like, come on, you know, I don't want people to think I'm, you know, you know, a serving time or something like that. And God said, I'm going to train you with garbage before I let you loose on people. You see, God will give you practical things that feel like, you know, wax on, wax off, you know, paint the fence. Why? This is stupid. And God's like, yes, but I'm training you. Will you follow me? Will you obey me? When it does not make sense to you, I will show you the way that you should walk, but you have to trust me like a kid who does not understand what's going on. So, so, so we see here, Jesus talks in parables. We honor it. We obey what we know. And now I want to turn to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 5. Very, very uh, well-known portion of Scripture. But I hope that tonight you'll see it a little bit differently. Because in the context of hearing God's voice, getting God's wisdom... Uh, James chapter 1, verse 5, James says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So this is the goodness of God, that if you need wisdom about your job, about your marriage, about your relationships, your kids, your vehicle, your investing, what do you need wisdom for what do you need from god and he's saying listen if you'll ask i'll give it to you if you ask me for wisdom i will give it to you that is a great promise from god but then this is the part that always bothered me because in verse six it says but let him ask in faith with no doubting for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And what I, I, I really didn't like that, that passage of Scripture because it just, it just kind of like, oh no, I've got to have enough faith, and I kind of overthought it. But one of the things that I thought this passage... I used to think it meant, was that if you come to God and you ask in faith, God will give it to you. But if you come in doubt, God's going to say no. That's what I thought. That's not what it says. What it says, if you lack wisdom, ask, God will give it to you, right? Verse 6, but ask in faith without doubt. Why? Because when you're operating in doubt, you become like a wave. And you become like a wave of the seed that is blown back and forth. Don't let that man, verse 7, for let not that man suppose that he will receive. It's not saying that God won't send. 
is saying it's going to block your receiving. So you ask, God gives, but if you're a wave back and forth, you're going to say, is that God? Or is it not God? Is it God? Is it not God? God, are you there? I don't know. So has anybody ever just kind of spiraled into a pit of, of just everything's falling apart? I have been there. I have been there more than I ever wanted to be. Listen, when it comes to hearing and following after the Spirit, you can ask God and you can receive. But what starts to happen is when we come to God and we operate in doubt, I guess I'll just say it this way, our ability to hear God is directly proportional to our faith level. Some people don't like that. I don't blame you. Romans chapter 12, I believe verse 6, the Apostle Paul says to prophesy according to your faith. What is prophecy? We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Prophecy is when you say what you hear. God speaks, you hear, you say it. That's prophecy. You guys doing okay? Okay. You know, lost them or something like that. But God speaks, you hear, you say. So what does he say? Prophesy according to your faith. What do we see here in this situation? You receive what God says according to your faith. So if you doubt, I know this, I'm going to pick you guys up in a minute. It's going to be okay because this is going to get better. Because this, I think, is where we get anxious. This is where I've been anxious. Because I know what it's like to be like the waves. I have lived there way too much. Should I take this job, God? Should I not take this job? Should I take that, go to that school? Should I move to that town? Should I buy that car? God, should I, should I ask that person? Should I make that phone call? And all the while, what are we doing? We're anxious. We are anxious about hearing God's voice. And I'll give you guys a secret. Anxiety is not your friend, but also anxiety will actually block you from hearing God. I'm not saying God's not speaking. I'm just saying you can't, it's hard to hear. When your mind is screaming, when your heart is anxious, it is very difficult to discern God's voice. So how do we live our lives in such a way that we can hear God's voice when the heat is on? And, and so I just really want to drive home this idea that, you know, Pastor Tim talked about this already. Be still and know that I am God. I have to calm the storm in me. This is my life. Every time I preach, there comes a point in time where I have to calm the storm. God will speak. God will lead. God will be faithful. But I have to calm the storm. I have to learn how to trust. I have to learn how to not be anxious. I have to learn how to get out of my anxiety. And you say, well, how do you do that? Well, let me explain to you. It's a process for me.
I hope it's not for you. But for me, it is a process of doing it over and over and over and building that track record. And I would say a lot of times when I'm in that spiral, it is because of my faith level. And I start thinking things like, God, where are you? God, I feel alone. What if God doesn't come through? I don't know. You know and you, start, you just start building yourself into a pit. And I, I have found that if I focus on my lack of faith, that will not help me. If I focus on my ability, that will not help me. If I focus on me at all, then I just get more and more into a pit. And so what I've learned is I have to do things to get my faith level up, to decrease the anxiety, increase the faith, and I do that by fixing my eyes on Jesus. And what we, what we did tonight was a simple, this is what worship, one of the big ideas of worship. What is worship? It is about making your mountain small and Jesus big. It is about taking the magnifying glass and putting it right on Jesus and saying, you are good, you are good. And you begin to declare, and you will lead me, and you will be faithful. And you, you, we looked at some of these scripture verses, and you begin to declare what God's word says. And you begin to sing the truth over, about God. And you begin to pull in like prophetic words. Like sometimes I will literally read prophetic words the Lord has given to me when I was in the zone. Because God will speak to you in the light. And you have to, and, and, and I will steward that. I will write it down. I will, I will copy and paste. I will read through the Bible. And when I find a scripture verse that jumps off the page, I will, on my iPad, I will copy it, and then I will paste it into my notes. And then I will scroll through those scripture verses that are the highlight reel of what God's been speaking to me. And as I begin to focus on scripture, sing songs about him, sometimes I pray in tongues. Like what I, I, what I want you to see is in those moments, I don't feel like praying. I don't know how to pray, and I'm very afraid. And in those moments, I surrender, and I just say, God, I want to do your will. Because anxiety often comes when we're not surrendered. And when you surrender, it will increase your ability to hear God's voice. Jesus said that if anyone wills to do my will, that's Jesus' will, he shall know concerning the doctrine. The doctrine is the teaching. Jesus is saying, if you want to do God's will, if you set your heart up to do God's will, then it's going to create a discernment to know what is of God and what is not God. So we surrender completely, 100%. We try to calm ourselves down by, I just kind of just go there until I get out of there. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, literally, it's not, this, it's not the same every time. But as I get my spirit in the right place and the anxiety goes down, the faith goes up, and all of a sudden my ears begin to hear. And then once I start hearing, whether it's a scripture verse or something in my spirit, what begins to happen is once I hear, it increases my faith again. And then, I, and then my faith goes higher, and then I hear better. 
So I actually, three or four times, will increase my faith until I get my breakthrough. Does this make sense? So, so just kind of, I'm going to look over my notes here. Relax and surrender. And I want to briefly mention just a few filters about hearing God's voice. Um, number one, I've talked about this before, but Scripture if someone goes and says, yeah, God told me to go and kill a guy, you could probably assume that that's not God. Why? Because it violates his word. And right now, there's a lot of people that don't know the scripture, or maybe they do, but they have figured out a way to make the voice of God tell them what they want. And they have violated the scriptures. So first of all, you don't want to violate scripture, but also, I believe, if you really want to know God, and you really want to learn, learn what his voice sounds like. When you read the Bible, you're going to begin to, it'll create an ecosystem in your mind if you do it over a period of time. And you will begin to know the character and the nature of God by consistently reading. But also, like I said, when something leaps off the page to me, I will copy and I'll paste it into my notes. But, when it leapt off the page, I learned, oh, that's what the voice sounds like. How did it sound like? Well, it leapt. That's, my spirit leapt. It came alive. You will know God's voice as you are trained in the one place you know his voice is. But the thing, one of the great ways to know is if it's God or not, is, is there grace on it? Is there life on it? Because God won't throw you into a pit when he speaks to you. The devil, yes, he'll make you feel like you're worthless. He'll make you feel like life's hopeless. He'll make you feel like you shouldn't go to God. But when you are corrected by God or directed by God or spoken to by God, it will bring you to life. God is the best at giving us a spanking and we feel great about it. He's the only one that can do that. So if you get corrected by God, you will feel like a million bucks and you will feel loved and you'll want to be around God. That's how you can tell. When the devil comes, he's like, you're worthless. You shouldn't even go to church this Sunday. I mean, what if, what if that one person sees you there because they know what you did? You know, you know that, that voice does not bring life. And I know this is almost ro like rocket science, but God's word is alive and it brings life. It brings fruit and it leaps in your spirit. And then finally, I just want to say, it's really good, especially de depending on your spiritual age maturity level, to surround yourself, actually no matter who you are really, with other people that are mature, that know what God's voice sounds like. I mean, I, I think I probably told this before, but I'll reiterate it again. I remember, you know, this one time where I was talking to this person and they're like, yeah, I want to seek God about who I should marry, and I want to seek God about my future husband, and I want to seek God about this, and I want to seek God about that, and God's not telling me anything. All he's telling me, trust in him. I, she's like, well, I think he might be saying, like, trust in me, and he's telling me to spend more time with him. He's telling me not to focus on it, but I just don't hear God. And I'm like, I know his ways. And that sounds exactly like something Jesus would say. You know what I'm saying? How many times are you like, God, tell me, should I go or not? And God's like, 
I'll be with you. No, 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 no. God, do I go or do I stay? And God's like, I love you so much. I just want you to rest in that. No, no. See, that, that's God's ways. And the more you know God's ways, the more you're going to laugh when other people say that. And like, I don't know if this is God. Or like, yes, that's God. That's what he sounds like. Because he's more focused on you than the plan. He's more focused on who you're becoming than even when you, than where you're going. And I mean that in the sense not, not in spiritual realm, but more like where you're going to work or where you're making these decisions. It is who you are becoming that matters. And he is guiding you with his eye. He loves you. He loves you. If you focus on hearing God's voice, you're going to get all anxious. If you focus on God's love for you and you begin to experience and you begin to let him love on you, you're going to just naturally hear his voice. If you're going to abide in him and just let God tell you how much, what he thinks about you, and trust me, it's, always, it's, 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 it's going to be good, even when he gives you a whooping. It's going to be, you're going to feel like a million bucks, like I said before. But as you, how do I say this? As you spend time with God, you will hear his voice fixing your eyes on the nature, the character. Don't put your faith in you. Don't put your faith in your faith. Put your faith in the nature, the character. Focus on that. And as you begin to fix your eyes on who he is, your faith level will take care of itself and you will hear and you will be guided and you are not left alone. You are not left alone. Fear is not your friend. People make, I think almost all mistakes that we make are based out of fear. Fear of missing out. Fear of missing God. Fear that we're going to screw it up. You name it. Almost every, when I talk to people and they're calling me up, being like, all right, I've got a decision to make. What do I do? And I'm like, okay, well, tell me what you're afraid of. Well, I'm afraid of this and I'm afraid of that. Okay, so you need to deal with the fear. The fear is too loud. Quiet the fear. And then, there, and then, and then you'll begin to hear God's voice more clearly. All right, so I'm thinking here of maybe breaking into groups for just a couple of minutes. We're going to have Rupert Floods in just a few moments. But I, I had this idea of kind of maybe people sharing with one another maybe a story about how God led you. And I, I'm looking for two types of stories. One, and not everybody has to do two, but tell stories where God led you, but you had no idea he was leading you. But after it was all said and done, oh, that was God. I didn't know that was God. And then maybe some of you can tell, share some stories with one another where you can actually remember where God led you and you knew it was God. God spoke to you. So if you want to break into groups of about four people, roughly four people, I just want to take about five minutes, maybe seven, depending if you're really talkative, but just break into groups right at this moment. <laughs>